If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We're here. We're here. It is uh, Tuesday, July 19th. UFC London is this weekend. Uh, we had a uh, UFC Long Island was this last weekend. Culmination of a very action-packed event was an injury to Brian Ortega. Not something that we foresaw happening. I don't think anybody called that except for one person. One person out there predicted Brian Ortega by injury. I don't know who that person was I put a post up. I saw it online somewhere. Somebody said they had a dream that Brian Ortega was going to break his leg. And they said they had correctly predicted two other injury stoppages before. Brian Ortega obviously did not break his leg, but he did dislocate his shoulder. So whoever that person is, um, if I'm ever in one of your dreams, please shoot me a DM and let me know. I can't remember. I, I tried to scour the MMA uh, postosphere to try to find it. I could not. I am noticeably by myself this episode. And while that's not entirely new, because I've done solo episodes before, and you guys are aware of that, um, this one has a different, bit, little bit of a different feel to it. I contemplated whether or not I was going to touch it at the beginning or touch it at the end, but touch it we will. And I think touching it at the very beginning and just getting it out there, out of the way early uh, is going to be best for all parties involved. Trey is not here tonight. Um and as such, uh, for all intents and purposes, as of right now, is no is no longer part of the program moving forward. Now, as far as Punchlist history goes, and Punchlist lore, and the foundation of Punchlist, and what it means, and and the you know the tenets by which Punchlist exists in comparison to other podcasts and MMA podcasts in general, the work the man has done is irrefutable, undeniable, and uh, sets him in distinguished company amongst uh, homemade, self-made broadcasters. So, uh, that being said, Trey has decided to step away from the show um, for a little bit, and that's the thing that's happening. Uh, did I know that that was going to happen? No, I did not. Um, is it something that I was prepared for? No, it is not. Uh, and is it something I'm upset about? It is. It is. I'm. I'm not mad. There's no. There's no ill will. There's no ill intent. Uh, but it's just not. It's not something that I saw coming. And the the only the only disagreements in two and a half years of doing this show that Trey and I have had. Um, it's it's funny. One of them what we're going to talk about later on. Uh, there's there's only been a handful, right? Obviously, when we disagree on fights, um, and I made an edited video one time involving Nicholas Dalby that he vehemently and arduously fought against posting, and we never posted. But Nicholas Dalby fights this weekend, so maybe I'll, maybe I will post that uh, that video finally, as this is no longer a democracy, but has turned slowly into a dictatorship. Uh, Outside of that, those two things, the only thing that Trey and I have ever disagreed on 
is whether or not he needed to leave the show. Um, he feels that given his current situation and things that he's got going on in his life, he had to step away. I disagree. Um, ultimately, you know, who am I, who am I to tell a man what he, what he can and cannot do uh, and what he should and should not do. So he has made his choice. Um, I disagree with it. And that's in that sense. Um, but there was, there was no, at the sake of sounding like these YouTube streamer, vlogger, drama people, there's no, there was no drama behind the scenes. Um, so we just had to, you know, I don't know. Stages of grief. I was confused. I was upset. I was in denial. Then I was angry. Pretty much towards acceptance right now. Pretty much towards acceptance. I don't love it. <laughs> and you don't have to like it. I don't think anybody has to like stuff like that. And we're, we're going to continue moving forward. Um, as you guys know, we were we were in a position where we were having people lined up to come on the show and that'll, that it was set to kick off next week. So I will have a guest on the show next week. It will not be Trey's replacement. Um, so those of you that have asked, what are you going to do in that regard? The show will continue just me for a while. Um, as, as one, I need it to be that. And then two, we've got people lined up for the next foreseeable future so there will be somebody opposite the mic from me um, moving forward for a while um, those of you that have said you know expressed interest in, in things like that i appreciate you um but we're gonna ride it solo for a little bit i know and can appreciate that this this show has brought about the idea of kinship and friendship and it's what makes and what made Punchlist and what will continue to make Punchlist great is the idea of two buddies hanging out, drinking beer, shooting the shit, talking about fights, right? I get that. Um, obviously, that conversation needs will be a more virtual me and you listener being buddies, shooting it, you know, drinking a drink, having a good time. And then obviously on the weekends, we can hang out. Um, until we figure out what happens. So it would be doing a disservice to the show, to the listeners, to anybody that's not, that, you know, as, as a whole is what this show does. If it just immediately rush into the idea of bringing somebody else on, unless John Anik wants to quit his show and then come on in that case, then we will have a co-host next week, but I doubt it. I don't think he's going to quit Anik and Florian, although arguably I sound better than Kenny Florian. He probably looks better than I do, but even still, um, the show will change a little bit in the sense that, uh, in all the ways that make sense that it'll change, it'll probably be a little bit shorter. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that if you, if you're upset that Trey's leaving, you're not alone. If you're upset, and the way the show changes a little bit moving forward, I get that. And if you feel like this isn't for you anymore because it's one guy talking out into the void with the exception of the live chat, and I appreciate all of you that are here tonight, and I will address you all uh, as soon as I'm done with this little dialogue here. Uh, 
if if that's the way you feel, that's fine, and you can do that and and be on your merry way, and and that's okay. Um, but we'll adapt, we'll overcome, we'll continue to cash slips, and we'll continue to win bets, and we'll continue to have a good time and talk to your favorite athletes, and 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 move forward, and you know try to find ways to subvert the government and expose you know the lizards and do everything we possibly can. And along the way, we're going to make some money and we'll have some fun. So, um, I, you know, I always tell you guys, be good to each other. Um, I always talk about, you know, brotherhood and tradition and bonds and two and a half years of that existed here with Trey. So I'm not going to, I don't want to breeze over that, uh, but He's going to be missed on the show and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep it moving. So, um, it's not my favorite, but here we are. So, um, I have a, admittedly, I've been a little under the weather, weather today, so I'm not drinking beer like I should be. Um, because I feel like if I do, you'll hear nine minutes and 15 seconds of me talking about Trey. And then the next will be me puking into a bucket. Um, so I'm just drinking water for right now, but that the, uh, salute to, to that. Okay. Let's get into this. Those of you that are in the live stream, I see you, all your names. Most of you were ones that reached out to us um, this week and I appreciate you. All right. So let's get it going. UFC London takes place this weekend. Headlined by Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall. Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. Uh, I have slept on Tom Aspinall for a long time. And we're seeing decent value here. Curtis Blades makes me excited, though, because he just knocked out out of shape Tom Aspinall, which is Chris Dawkins. So, anyway, let's get after it. First fight on the main card. Paul Craig, Vulcan Uzdemir. Uh, I was formally challenged this week um, on what a Scottish accent sounds like Paul Craig is at a plus 130 here. Vulcan Ustamir at a minus 150. Overrun rounds is at two and a half. Paul Craig, those of you who do not know, uh, goes by the Bear Jew and has one of the thickest Scottish accents in the world. There's really not a way that I can do it to give, you know, give service to it because it his name. Oh man, it's really bad. Paul Craig. Craig. And he just kind of, it's just, it's so weird how he just wrote Paul Craig. It's like, it's, it's like Craig, but not, it's like Paul Craig. It's like, I don't know, poultry sort of, I think I'm not sure. It's really thick, man. It's a really thick accent. Uh, but I, I, I love the guy. He's obviously submission ace and he's going up against Vulcan Uzdemir who has fallen from grace as of recently. Uh, Vulcan needs a win in the worst way possible. And I think he's going to get some opportunities in that because Craig likes to stand initially and get hit. What interests me, um, what interests me about this matchup is obviously Paul Craig's got the ability to adapt, overcome, but what he does really well is he finds ways to win through adversity. Like when he's getting beat up real bad or he's been rocked, He's still super dangerous because he's a very large guy, very limber. Uh, he's got great hips, very good at trapping hands, very good at manipulating um, body weight and position and getting people 
in disadvantageous positions. He's really no threat to Vulcan Uzdemir on the on on standing up at all. None. Uh, he I, I would at the at the risk of sounding pompous, he poses zero risk to Vulcan standing up. I mean, he has to get this fight to the ground. He has to. Uh, now, it's not like Vulcan is some, some you know, master class, light on his feet, you know, ballerina out there. He's flat-footed as all get out, um, throws hooks all big and bulky and twisty like vintage Vanderlei. He's not... He's not he's not great either. That big slow jab that he just lumbers out there. It's like he's poking you with a two by four. Uh neither one of these guys are winning any any uh competitions for hand speed or, or footwork anytime soon. That being said, Vulcan can kind of crack. And I think if you're Paul Craig, what you want to try to do is you want to skirt the outside so that when Vulcan moves into you. It gives you the opportunity to fall back into the cage and create the clinch opportunity, right? Um, because if you're out in the middle, you're lost, right? You're you're swimming in the ocean. You need to you need to skirt the outside and bring Vulcan to you, so that way when he does engage you, you can kind of use the cage as as a as a teammate to bring the two of you together, and then find a way to get it to the ground. If he gets it to the ground, Vulcan is getting tapped. I mean, it's it's really kind of that simple. Vulcan is incredibly weak on the ground. Uh, but as long as the say, things stay standing, um, you know, I think, he has, I think he has a real issue on his hand. Um, would love to hear the, the, the crowd pop from a, from a Paul Craig win. Um, I know it's Scotland and Scotland and the UK are, are different, but I would love to hear the pop. Uh, I think I think prop plays are your plays here. Money line be damned. Screw it. There's no point. There's no point in just doing money line plays here. Do props. So props here. We're looking at Craig by submission, of course, because that's his path to victory. Um, so Craig by submission plus two forty. Just fucking juice him up a little bit. And then Uzdemir by KO is plus one fifty. So just give yourself plus money on either guy. Uh, bet accordingly to cover your differences and just go from there. And if you don't like that you you don't want to do method of victory just do inside the distance uzdemir inside the distance plus 130 and craig inside the distance plus 185 uh if you're five dime if you bet with five dimes if you're one of our our, our uk folks if you're a five dimes user uh that that bad boy is all the way up to the 80 mark so i would just you know you can do inside the distance if you don't like the means um I'm I'm completely cool with that. You do whatever you want, but it's prop plays are it for this fight. Money line's too dangerous. So look at your prop plays. All right. Next fight. Molly McCann, Hannah Goldie. Hannah Goldie six and two. Molly McCann at 12 and four. All right. We get a little bit of recency bias here. And I think we're in a good spot for women's science, if I'm being completely honest with you. I love meatball. You guys know this. Two, two plus years, um, three, if you listen to my other show, I've been on the meatball train. I think when she's she's good, she's real good. But when she's bad, she's real bad. Um, Hannah Goldie, punchless curse is now broken with the Emily Whitmire fight, right? That's gone. So punchless curse is broken. 
Women's science reigns supreme here. There's, again, say it with me, all together in unison, there's not a woman on earth that should be greater than a minus 250 unless your name is Shevchenko or Nunez. There just shouldn't be one. There should not be one. Hannah Goldie, elite-level wrestling for a woman, great jiu-jitsu game, and she's got hands. She's got hands. There's no reason to believe that she's not going to be competitive against Molly McCann. Now, that being said, is Molly McCann going to get the hometown rub if this goes to the judges? Of course she is. Of course she is. But as much as I love Molly McCann and that spinning elbow knockout, which saved us, that was like a plus, was that a plus 550, that that knockout play? Saved us that whole event. As much as I love her for that and for the bets that she's cashed for us in the past, I will not I will not go against women's science. I won't. I won't go against women's science. That's too heavy of a favorite. I don't care if they're fighting in Molly McCann's kitchen. I'm not playing her at minus 425. Hannah Goldie plus 325. Reverse the curse. Punchless Nation is now behind Hannah Goldie, and she cashes on Saturday at plus 325. She cashes. She withstands the early flurry from Molly McCann, who's going to go out there like her hair is on fire and try to knock Hannah Goldie out in front of that crowd. She's going to go out there and go absolutely ballistic for the first three and a half minutes. Hannah Goldie will weather the storm, and then she's going to put it on her in two and three. Or or she shoots for a blast double right off the right off the rip and gets Molly down and just smothers her to the to a booze raining down on her like arrows from the Persian Empire in 300. Hannah Goldie will not care. She's going to go out there and get a win. She's going to get a win. Plus 325. We're in a good spot here. Yeah. Minus 425 is ludicrous for Molly McCann. Absolutely ludicrous. Um, I, I, she's just absolutely, she's just, that, that is such a trap. People are going to get, she's just going to be, oh, I can't imagine the handle on that. I'm going to get, reach out to, see if we can't reach out, get Dave Mason from Bet Online, see what the handle is on that. Or if anybody knows a site that has the handles and see what, what the money's coming in at. There's just no way. There's no freaking way, man. I just don't see it. How's anybody confidently betting Molly McCann there? All right. Nikita Krylov at 27 and nine, taking on Alexander Gustafson or Gustafson, um, as my man Dan Hardy likes to say it. Real quick. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Put put the bag. Jake, while while I'm talking about this fight, can you look up the date for the Dan Hardy Diego Sanchez boxing match? Thank you. I feel like that was supposed to have already happened and I haven't seen anything why and then Dan Hardy posted a picture today and he was looking plump. So I just wonder what's going on there. Uh, but I feel like they were supposed to have fought by now. Anyway, Alexander Gustin plus 155, Nikita Krylov minus 180. We can get Gus at plus money. Um, you say July. It happened July 2nd. Who won? It happened July 2nd? Did just nobody in the MMA like media sphere cover it? Did we all just miss it? Hmm. Maybe it fell through. Yeah, it might have fallen through. 
for those of you, this is bad radio. For those of you who can't read what Jake's typing in the chat, says all the articles are from April and he's not sure if it happened. Okay. Anyway, we can get Gus at plus money here, which is good. Has Gus been good lately? No, Dale. No, he is not. Um, obviously, we had the the rematch with John Jones that did not go our way, went really poorly, in fact. And then we had um, the loss to Anthony Smith. And then we had the failed attempt at, you know, the move to heavyweight where we lost to Fabrizio over Doom. And then it's been two years. It's been almost two years to the day uh, when we see him fight next. You know, I think one of the things that we we fail to remember in the in the MMA space is that we are a recency bias. What have you done for me lately? Kind of kind of fan base. Um, and realistically, if you're looking at the last seven years, um, Alexander Gustafson has won two fights. Now that's that's a pill to swallow, right there. That's a pill to swallow. Because a lot of the people, I would I would even venture to say that a lot of people that are listening, um, a lot of people that are out there say, "Well, I don't remember Gustafson ever being good." He's fought twice. He's won two fights in the last seven years. Um, I got to work at five fifteen. Good night. And Hardy was on a podcast three weeks ago saying there was a big delay. It didn't happen. All right, perfect. So. A lot of people that are like, there's fans right now, like hardcore, like what I would even classify now as hardcore fans that have never seen a, like a winning vintage Gus um, and what he's capable of. And I don't know whether or not he's still capable of it. I, I Truthfully, I don't. But there was a time like the Gustafson that, that landed, what was that, like five uppercuts on Glover in like 17 seconds. That Gus, that Gus is a killer. Um, and Krylov is just meat and potatoes enough. He's just A, B, and C, um, that he's not going to pose any sort of off the wall challenges to Gus. Like he's not, he's not a submission ace like for doom, right? He's not a creative striker like John Jones. He's not a submission ace like Anthony Smith. Um, like there, there's no one thing that Krylov does ex exponentially well where you're like, oh man, it's gonna be a problem, right? Or like a, a knockout, one punch, you know, cripple a rhino like, like, um, like Anthony Johnson. Like there, there's, there's no one thing that Krylov does really well. So, um, I, I think once more into the breach, we get Gus. We can get him at plus money. I, th I is there some nostalgia attached to that? Of course there is, of course, because you want to see the guys that you grew up with continue to do well, right? And those of you that never saw it, like Gus was like the first dude to like propose to his girl in the cage and all that stuff, right? Like, like th there's there's some seminal moments of Gustafson's career, like that. that it's a that's a real dude, um, and probably one of the shining examples of when people say who who was never a champion that could have been a champion in any other era than the one that they fought in Gustafson's that guy like if it wasn't for John Jones 
Alexander Gustafson is light heavyweight champ of the world and what would have been for a while if it wasn't for John Jones. Um, and there's quite a few people that can, that can say that as well, but I, I do believe that um, I do believe that Gus probably is the king of that, you know, that crown right there, that crown belongs to him that if it wasn't for John Jones, he, he would have been champ. Um, so I want to see him do well. And I, I think once more, yes, two years away. Yes. Kreelov has been way more active, but Gus at decent plus money. Uh, I see somebody in the chat saying fight goes to decision plus 168 looks juicy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see Gus knocking Kreelov out and he's not going to submit him. So yeah, that's not bad. I mean, how often do you get he light heavyweights at two and a half? Right. Um, I don't hate that play. I'm just going to take Gus Moneyline, but yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Jordan Levitt, Patty Pimblett. This is probably the fight that... I mean, this is definitely the fight that's getting the most talk time. Uh, you know, Patty Pimblett's doing a great job of making himself just obnoxious enough, right? Like, just obnoxious enough that the people that like him can still defend him, right? And the people that don't like him want to see him lose and will pay money to do so, right? Like he's just, he's, he's just straddling that line. Just perfect. If he goes out there and he beats Jordan Levitt on Saturday, which many believe that he will, I think he crosses over, especially he does so in emphatic fashion. Um, he cross, he'll cross over into the almost two, too obnoxious to be defended category. Possibly. It's possible. I don't know. Um, we will see. Jordan Levitt is calling a shot saying he's going to submit Patty Pimblett. I don't think he's going to knock him out. So it makes sense. I, I definitely, this is, this is definitely a, a, a hand wrapped chosen um, opponent for, for Patty. Uh, what they've realized very early in, in the the Patty Pimblet experience or experiment rather uh, in in the UFC with the Luigi Vendramini fight and the Rodrigo Vargas fight is that Patty will be hit right and he can do his whole I'm a scouser we don't get knocked out thing but you got your bell rocked by two guys that aren't known for bell rocking or bell ringing uh, so they're giving you a hometown fight with your girl. Uh, Molly and Aspinall again, right? They're just, they're just, they're going back to the well one more time, right? Uh, the last UK event was at most tied for the most finishes in an event history. They gave everybody that got a finish, um, a bonus, the whole nine, right? They had the little world press tour, Patty and, and Molly McCann going to every event wearing you know, matching shirts and chugging beer and doing all that stuff. They're, they, they're pushing it all, all to the limit here. Um, if you give Patty somebody that can go in there and crack, that that's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Um, Jordan Levitt is not going to do that. This will turn into a grappling affair. The sheer strength of Patty should give him an advantage there. But if he cannot get it done in round one, if he can't get it done in round one, Jordan Levitt has a very real chance of winning this fight. There's a very real chance of winning this fight. Um, Levitt says he's going to submit him 
and he's going to submit him in round one. But I would venture to say that if you're Jordan Levitt and you're looking for the submission round two is where it's at, you need Patty to get tired. He has absolutely no, no discipline in the cage whatsoever. None. Fight IQ basically seems to be rather low in the sense of what he can and can't do uh, with his own body and how he should govern himself in there. It's face for face forward, run, swing as hard as you can, try to get a takedown, choke you out. I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a berserker and it, it has worked very well so far in his career. I mean, the guy has a professional record of 18 and three. Um, I'm I'm not going to tell Patty Pimblett how to win fights. He's obviously much more experienced at it than I am. Um, but losses to Soren Beck, Nad Naramini, and Cameron Elsie, um, you know, or Els rather, uh, that loss to Cameron Els was an anaconda choke. So he, while Scousers may not get knocked out, they can get choked unconscious. Uh, so there, there is a a real issue here um, if he cannot manage time, distance, um, and energy correctly. So. Jordan Levitt beat Trey Ogden the last time out. That was a fight where I was on Trey Ogden. Um, and that was more Ogden looking real bad than Levitt looking real good, I think. Um, we had the win over Matt Sales, the loss to Pulesh, the slam win over Wyman. I think that Patty Pimblett using MMA math beats every single one of the people that we've listed that Jordan Levitt has beaten inside the octagon. So um, I don't necessarily even feel confident in saying that Levitt is his strongest and toughest test to date, but 10 and one, 18 and three, we're going to get it cracking. I like, I'm looking at a small flyer, small, 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 small sprinkle on Levitt in round two. It's at plus a thousand. So if you're on that big prop plus money, uh, you know, that's what you like to like to do. Um, I like that. So hear me out. Patty the fatty versus Connor at 185. I, I saw a picture of Connor right now. There's no way, there's no way he's in the USADA testing pool. There's no way. There's no way. Um I he just can't be. He cannot be currently getting tested by USADA. There's just no way. He has to be outside the testing pool. Like they give out all these jackets, right, for 50 clean tests and 100 clean tests and all this stuff like that. I, and occasionally I'll see graphics where it's like the most tested athletes so far this year. Has Connor ever been that on that list? I'm just – and I'm saying that from a potential position of ignorance here. I don't know. Has Connor ever been on the most tested list? Do we even know if he's in the testing pool when he's not getting ready for a fight? Like, do they allow, like, like with Mark Hunt, with Mark Hunt's lawsuit against the UFC re- regarding Brock Lesnar, where they let Brock Lesnar forego the USADA testing pool, that six-month period, tested him, knew that he tested positive for steroids and still let him fight anyway and did not tell Matt Hunt or Mark Hunt. Is that what, ha- I mean, obviously um, a steroid positive test for, um, for, for Connor would be, at this point, it wouldn't matter, but earlier in his career, it would have just been absolutely brutal. Do we know? I've never seen him pop up on a list. 
I've never I've never seen him pop up on a list of a most tested athlete ever. And I understand he's a you know one of the highest paid athletes on on the planet. And he can do whatever he wants from a nutrition and strength training perspective, but he looks just gorilla like right now. Just really gorilla like. Um, so pretty wild stuff. Um Patty the Fatty versus Connor at 185 would be. I mean, I think Patty's a really far way out here. If if I had to, if I'm just if I'm gonna play matchmaker real quick, I'm gonna I'm just I'll just tell you what I think is gonna happen. I think that I think that if Patty wins tomorrow or Saturday rather, and when Dober wins in two weeks, I think that's the fight they'll make. I think that's the fight they'll make next. Um, Dober has wanted Patty for a while. He's not like openly calling people out, being like, "I'm gonna, I, I want Patty Pimblett," but he said it on the show before that he wants to fight Patty. Um, producer Jake says he's been tested by Usada four times since Joe said Joe Rogan said something about about his size in February. Okay, well, at least he's in the pool. I don't know. I mean. I trust him about as much as I trust the inflation numbers that are coming out. But I mean, two different types of inflation I don't trust is the ones provided by the Biden administration. <laughs> and you saw it. You saw it talking about Connor testing clean. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Nine point one percent seems about right. Yeah, because Connor looks like he's a total uh, ninety. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I. I Dober secretly wants, secretly and unsecretly wants that fight. So let Patty get a big win. I, I know for a fact Dober wanted to be in this card. They just couldn't make it work. He he wanted Mark DeCasey or Patty on this card. Like I want to go to enemy territory and fight a fight a Brit. That was his plan. Uh, but they gave him Alves in in Texas, and that works too. So he's going to take that anyway. Doesn't matter. Um, if you put Patty in a parlay, sure. If you're taking Patty money line, okay, I see that. I mean, he should win this fight, but Jordan Levitt and by sub in round two plus one thousand, just something worth your consideration. Unrelated to this card, how do you feel about Ricky Simone versus Adrian Yanez? I think that's the next match for him. I think if you're Simone, you fight somebody better or higher rank than Yanez. I, at a certain point. Yes, Adrian Yanez has a lot of men- momentum, but at a certain point, you you have to realize wh- when you're the carrot and when you're the stick. And at this point, if you're if you're Ricky Simone, Ricky Simone has faced better competition, been with the program longer, and and has more big moments than Adrian Yanez. Adrian Yanez just beat Tony Kelly, who got cut. Like you just beat a guy that just got cut. Like that, that Ricky Simone's not beating guys that are on the vert. Like, like Ricky Simone is not facing guys that are fighting for their job still. Like, that's just if you're Ricky Simone, push for a bigger fight. In my opinion, push for a bigger fight. If if I'm Ricky Simone, um, who's really who do you want at one thirty five? Screw the O'Malley thing. Push for Munoz. Screw the run back between O'Malley and, and, and Munoz. Push for Munoz. 
Um, thoughts on Diaz, Diaz versus Hamzat. Um, this is typical Dana White. This is Dana White. He will hold you and hold you and hold you, which he did. And he got the best years out of you. And then he will feed you to killers until he doesn't have to anymore. He did it to BJ Penn. BJ Penn is, is widely considered one a top five lightweight of all time. BJ Penn is considered a top five lightweight of all time in every circle that is not that is not most recent UFC like fandom converts. But he finishes UFC record 12, 13, and 1. But BJ Penn for the longest time was that dude. And you know who had a terrible, tumultuous relationship? Um, with BJ Penn, Dana White. And you know what he did? He literally fed BJ to killer after killer after killer and watched him get damn near killed until um, finally he didn't. He just ran out of justifiable killers to feed him to, so he just let him fight Clay Guida. And Clay Guida just ran roughshod over him. So um, I think, I think a, a big portion of that fight will be determined by Hamzat's Aggression level? If he's hyper-aggressive. Are they going to do the Diaz thing where it's five rounds? Did they say? It's the main event, right? For September 30th. It's going to be the main event, so obviously we'll do five rounds. Um, we did see a bit of a decline. The The cardio in the Burns fight was not great. Obviously, he got his shit rocked. That'll slow you down. But um, five rounds is a long time. It's a long time. I mean, very well may be a... Masvidal situation, it may very well be a Diaz Connor 2 situation where he just absorbs a ludicrous amount of damage, or a Leon Edwards situation, a ludicrous amount of damage, and then turns it on in one round at the very end. And the Diaz boys can say if this was a 30-minute fight, if this was a if this was a no rules Stockton back alley fight, Diaz would have won. I mean. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think I think Hamzat, if he comes in super aggressive, just murders him, rips his face off in two two rounds or less. Under round three start in that is is going to be the interesting line. Will rounds round three start? I, that's going to be tough. Um, yeah, this this right here. Diaz bros don't lose; they run out of rounds. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that tends to be the. The battle cry of, of the Diaz Army, the 209 Nation, or whatever they call themselves, um, or 209 Army. All right. Co-main event of the evening, Jack Hermanson taking on Chris, the action man, Curtis. Basically a pick depending on where you're looking. Um, Bet Online has Hermanson as the slight favorite here at a minus 113. Chris Curtis coming back at 107. Again, a lot of recency bias packed into this. Chris Curtis, obviously, much more active in his faith. And, and look, Chris Curtis has a a wealth of experience against top-level talent and trains with great guys day in and day out. Uh, Ch- Jack Hermanson, two short years ago, was knocking on a title shot. He was knocking on the door of a title shot. And there's this idea that that I cannot wrap my head around. Is it Did we always overvalue Hermanson based on his like wrestling performances? Or is he like a golfer that lost his swing and got the yips and now he doesn't want to He's not good at what he used to be good at in wrestling because it seems that Jack wants to go out there and throw hands with everybody all of a sudden, which is not what we want from you. If you're if you're a Jack Hermanson fan, I don't want to see you out there 
throwing hands. I want to see you out there grinding people into oblivion. I want to see takedown after takedown. I want to see ground and pound. I want to see elbows. Um, but we really have a Jack Hermanson who's lost three out of his last four. Um, and, you know, his his wins have come in ways that it didn't really show us anything, right? You beat up, you know, a super young Edmund Shabazian, who we know has no plan B. And then you heel hooked Kelvin Gastelum in less than, you know, in less than a round. Outside of that, lost to Sean Strickland, lost to Marvin Vittori, and lost to Jared Cannonier, all of which came at the idea of standing there and throwing hands. So are you going to attempt to stand there and throw hands with Chris Curtis? Like, I need you to answer this before I decide to bet on this, this fight. Chris Curtis has a record of 29 and 8. Um, if we're looking at you know, losses. Uh, I mean, realistically, you're not finishing Chris Curtis. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, Ray Cooper knocked him out, but outside of that, man, you're going to have to beat him by decision. And if you're Jack Hermanson, you're only beating him by decision. If you utilize the thing that you should be doing to win the fights, the way you've always won fights. So we now find ourselves talked into the question that we have to ask ourselves each and every time we bet a fighter that's on a rough patch. Do I bet you for what you're capable of doing or do I bet on what you're most likely to do? So that being said, um, I would go so far in saying um, the most likely thing to happen is that Chris Curtis beats Jack Hermanson. It's the most likely thing to happen. Jack Hermanson just has not seemed to want to rotate back to the thing that has got it done before. So, um, yeah. All right. Main event of the evening, Curtis Blades, Tom Aspinall. That's what we got going on right now. Let's see here. Curtis played 16 and 3, Tom Aspinall at 12 and 2. If we're looking at odds for it, Curtis Blades is the underdog here at the plus 110, Tom Aspinall at a minus 130. Over on rounds at three and a half. That's what's interesting to me. That's a very interesting line because if we're seeing Chris, if we're or if, if we're seeing Curtis Blades lose, obviously we're he's losing to power punchers. Do we think he's going to get knocked out? Do we think Tom Aspinall is going to knock Curtis Blades out? Like, do we think that's what we what's what's capable what it's capable of? Um, that I do not know. So, let's see here. Give me one second here. Let's see here. All right. So, um, I would go so far. I would go so far as to say is I don't I don't necessarily believe that to be the case. Um, Curtis Blades, incredibly smart, high fight IQ. I think that he could possibly, um, I think he could possibly get this thing done if if he can avoid some of the things that you know 
have gotten him in trouble in the past. That being said, Tom Aspinall's got all the momentum. This event is essentially catered to him. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, this it's really quite. I mean, it's closer to a pick'em for a reason. I wish I had a more detailed and like concrete way to feel about this fight, but this is one that I've been struggling with. And ultimately, always helps when you've got somebody on the other side, so you can hear them flesh out their ideas and maybe push you in a certain direction. Um, as it stands, recent, you know, I, I tend to always go with the wrestler because you know the ideas is just such that no matter what, a wrestler can dictate where the fight happens, and if that's the case. If that is the case, um, that, you know, I believe Curse Blades has an unequivocal advantage. Um, Aspinall's got good jits. He's got good hands. Nothing Curtis Blades doesn't see on a re regular basis. My initial leaning is Curtis Blades here, but I'll probably, I might just go inside the distance here. I might just go inside the distance, to be honest with you. I don't, let me see what that is real quick. Um, that three and a half is tricky too, because it feels like this is something like dumb that could happen in the fourth round or whatever. But um, yeah, so fight. Oh no, I'm not going to do that. Gosh, it's minus 300. Don't get a decision. No, I'm good there. I'm not, I'm not touching that. Uh, no round four start. Hmm. Well, three and a half rounds, that gives us 17 minutes. 17 minutes of heavyweights. Okay. Under three and a half. It's at minus 160. I'll lean that for right now. I'll lean that for right now because the, the ground and pound of Curtis Blades is real. Like real, 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 real. So, all right. Um, Let's get after these these prelims real quick, and we'll put a bow on this bad boy and keep it moving. Yeah. All right. Should be Claudio Silva versus Nicholas Dalby is the first fight on the prelims, if I'm not mistaken, Jake. Both these guys are coming back off injuries, uh, and they're both on the older side. Obviously, Claudio Silva, if I'm not mistaken, is going to be decidedly older. Um, Dalby is one of these guys, right, where – I am forced to think about his time outside of the octagon and I weigh it as, like against his performances inside. And it's almost like a guy that feels better. Um, he's like one of those guys at practice. He's like a, he's so good at practice and then game time things are getting um, dicey, you know? Um, I don't know. It's such a wide line, man. Claudio Silva can sub him. It's about it. Quick pick, just Dalby. Um, just quick pick on Dalby. So under three and a half for the main event and then Dalby here. Hmm. I'm not parlaying those, am I? No, no, I don't want to do that. Because I don't have to sweat it. All right. Mandy Bohm, Victoria Leonardo. Leonardo at eight and four. Mandy Bohm at seven and one. Boy. We're really, we're really scraping here. Uh, we're just going to take women's science and just be done with it. Victoria Leonardo has a win over Haley Cowan, um, which is interesting. Um, Mandy Bohm's not good either. Though. I mean, Ma Mandy Bohm's real not, really not good. She's not good. Um, 
Victoria Leonardo dressed up like a Dragon Ball Z character one time. They use that picture for her all the time. I'm really not a fan of betting on people that dress up like cosplay stuff. Um, but women's science, sure. Why not? Let's do a women's science parlay. Whatever the plus money is. This fight is so close to a pick em. Whatever it lands fight day, that's who I go with. So uh, don't be surprised on the list on the that you see on Saturday if it just says Leonardo Bohm underdog, just whoever the underdog is. So uh, Jaw Herbert and Kyle Nelson. Jaw Herbert at 11-4, Kyle Nelson at 13-4. and four. This is probably, I know I've said the word recency bias a lot this episode. This is the, this is the biggest example of it. Jaw Herbert looked really good. Looked really good right up until he didn't um, in his fight with Ilya Taporia, right? Like he had Ilya in a lot of trouble, a lot, <laughs> he had him in a lot of trouble. Uh, that was almost like the upset of all upsets right there. Uh, and then obviously Taporia did what he did and he, and he slept him. Uh, that performance in a loss is what's getting him this line right now. Like that's what's getting him this line. So that being said, minus 275 for Jaw Herbert is really kind of wild um, because Kyle Nelson, it, he's not terrible. Like not, I, I don't, he's not that bad, right? Like lost to Diego Ferreira, lost to Matt Sales, lost to Billy Q. Um, you know, Ferreira, the 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 knockout loss to Ferreira is the one that's like the wild card, right? Because Ferreira doesn't really knock people out. He subs them. He got subbed by Matt Sales. Sales is a legitimate Jits guy. Um, and then he lost to Billy Q. Who doesn't lose to Billy Q with the pace that Billy Q puts on you? So are we really are we really hating on on Kyle Nelson that much? Uh of his of his professional wins, you know. Nine out of his thirteen have come via finish. That's that's a that's a very real. I mean, it's a really high percentage. Um, and then if you're looking at Jaw Herbert, he's got eleven career wins, um, nine of which have come by KO, one of which have come by submission. So you're looking at a guy like guys with with a combined, you know, over eighty percent finish rate. I th- I think that we go. Um, obviously inside the distance is one thing, but I think, I think under one and a half and just get spicy, just get spicy based on the, on the proclivity uh, of finishes, man. Let's do it. Why not? Jaw Herbert at minus 275 is going to break your heart. He's going to break your heart because his chin's not great. So, um, Let's do it. The monster versus what? The, the black Count Dracula or what? What the hell is Joe Herbert call himself? The black country banger. There you go. The black country banger. What I say? The black Count Dracula. This is one of those things. Man, it was something weird. All right. Uh, what's let's see. Keep it moving right along here. Muhammad Makhiv taking on Charles Johnson at eleven and two. Makhiv at seven and zero. Oh. These guys are going back and forth on, on Twitter. Uh, and on Instagram with each other. Obviously, Muhammad is getting the push um, through the UFC. Let's see here. Minus 465, plus 365 for Charles Johnson. 
somebody was talking to me online the other day and said that Charles Johnson is worth consideration in this spot. I don't, I don't necessarily know that, that to be the case. Um, the flip side of that though, is I don't know how you play Muhammad uh, unless you're taking him by, by some sort of prop. Two and a half is where, the, where things get weird for me though, because to me that would say that they believe that Charlie Johnson is going to basically negate the really wild finishing potential of Muhammad. Um, the feather in the cap for Charlie Johnson would be the fact that he went to decision against Brandon Roy Vall in LFA. So, you know, I don't know. You're looking at a guy, he's on a four fight win streak. Um, you know, Trey's big LFA guy, but this Muhammad dude seems legit, man. It's he really, really, really seems legit. I mean, outside of the pro debut, we're finishing absolutely everything. The the amateur record speaks for itself. Very interesting, dude. I I don't I don't know here. Two and a half, maybe the bad blood, maybe the crowd under two and a half under two and a half. Like what feels like a trap for me is the fact that the last, the last event, the last London event, there were so many finishes and I feel like there's going to be, and I I'm doing it right now. I'm betting so many inside the distance plays here. I'm just wondering whether or not that's going to end up coming bite me in the ass. You know, we're just going to go. The last card was so violent. Now this one will be incredibly, you know, flaccid for lack of a better way to put it. Um, forgot to ask, with Trey being off the show, are y'all still going to the fight night for Cruz and Vera? I don't know. I don't know. I should probably ask him. <laughs> I should probably ask him. I To be to be honest with you, the only thing we've talked about this week is is the show. Um, I haven't I haven't even really put any thought into it. So that's, good. that's a great question. And as soon as I find out, I'll let you know. So if I am, I should probably buy plane tickets. Should probably buy plane tickets. I'm not really worried about getting tickets to the event because, you know, that dude just pulls some strings and make it happen. All right, Makwan Amir Khani at 17-7, taking on JSP Jonathan Pierce. Pierce 12-4, and Makwan at 17-7, minus 200 uh, for JSP here. Um, or minus 205, rather. Makwan at a plus 175. I like JSP in the spot. I know people are going to be like Makwan by sub, uh, Mr. Finland, the whole nine. They'll give him, he'll get a little little crowd pop. But I like Jonathan Pierce here. When Jonathan Pierce is on, he's on. Um, and then you look at like fights like the Joe Lozon fight where when he's off, he's really off. Makwan is dangerous in spurts. He's fast. Obviously, the submissions, the guillotines, the anaconda chokes are something we got to look out for. But I believe that Pierce is is smart enough to, you know, obviously done some minimal tape study there and knows not to put himself in those positions if he can help it. I like JSP here. I'm, 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 this is, this is like a good parlay builder piece for me is Pierce. So I, I feel pretty confident in him in that spot. Um, let's see here. I think producer Jake just stepped away. So I'll talk all the same. Uh, Nathaniel Wood at 17 and 5, Charles Rosa at 14 and 7. Let me go ahead and pull that banner up. Pop 
Where are we at? I love how he puts them in order, man. You just really got to appreciate a guy that comes in and puts them all in order. Except for this one. That one's not on here. He literally got them all except for the one that he's not here for. That's okay. Um, Nathaniel, what is a minus 550? Plus 400 coming back on Charles Rosa. If I am not mistaken, that minus 550 spot is going to put him at the largest favorite on the card. Um, people love Nathaniel Wood and oh, minus 600. Jeez, oh man. Bet online's got such crazy odds. Such a wild, such a wild line. Um, this is untouchable for me because Wood at, seven, at 600, you're not getting value per risk to put him on parlay. And you run the risk of something stupid happening. Additionally, Rosa is wildly durable, so underplays and inside the distance plays are not where it's at here. Or method and means. This is this is legitimately dog or pass. I wouldn't touch this one, to be honest. It just it'd be cool to see Nathaniel Wood fight again. Um, you know, Nathaniel Wood and Casey Kenny are are two guys, you know, that a lot of people have tapped as future, you know, bantamweight contenders possible champions um, if they would just stop feeding them to killers or to each other. And I think Wood gets a favorable pull here uh, from the roster and Charles Rosa. Submission game for Rosa is always a thing that you got to kind of keep on the back burner. Um, but I think we'll be okay here. He's not going to, he's not going to out punch him. He's not going to out punch Nathaniel Wood. I don't believe that. All right. And then what do we got here? Mark DeCasey, Demir Hedzovic, 14 and 6 for Demir Hedzovic. Mark DeCasey at 15 and 5. The, uh, the large favorite. We got a lot of big favorites on the on these UK guys. Minus 355 for Mark. Demir coming back at a plus 290. Um, Demir Hedzovic, favorite line when he fought Hanato Moicano. And he says, I wanted to fight you more. Um, Moicano said that to him, and Hedzovic said, Well, you shouldn't choke me out then. I like, I like that a lot. You should have choked me out. Well, the uh, Casey will not do that. Uh, what's interesting though is the Casey came out and showed a wrestle heavy approaches last time out, which was very interesting. I don't think he'll do that again. I think he'll want to put on a show, utilize that kickboxing, and I think he'll have a decided advantage over Hensovic, who is very good on the feet himself. This will be a high level technical battle if they choose to make it one. If not, the uh, Casey has the strength to get this to the ground and just be a wrestler if he wants to be. Mark DeCasey is incredibly strong. Um, if you're not familiar, familiarize yourself. There's plenty of videos of him out there lifting weight, which is like serious weight. Not like a little bit of weight, but like for real serious weight. Um, very strong guy. So if he wants to, he can. But I think we get a technical kickboxing fight here that DeCasey comes out on top. Uh, Casey by decision is will be most likely to be my play here. And then last but not least, the featured prelim, um, we get... An absolute banger. Mason Jones, Ladovic Klein. Klein at 18 and 4. Mason Jones at 11 and 1. This is a good underdog spot. If we're looking for big underdogs that aren't women, this is a good one. This is a good one. Now, why is this a good one? Well, Klein hits hard enough and is fast enough that in the early goings of this fight, he can rock Mason Jones because Mason Jones is there to be hit. 
that being said, if he can't get it done early, I give I give Klein about a round to get this done. If he can't get it done in round one, Mason Jones pours it on him in two and three, and somewhere along the way we get a stoppage. But Mason Jones is going to walk forward. He's going to get hit. And if Klein can put one of those shins upside his face, or he can fire that left hand and touch him, he can drop him. So Klein has a, like if you're talking about a dog that'll fight for your money, going up against the guy that will put himself in a position to lose a fight, this is a good opportunity. This is a good opportunity to maybe take advantage of that. So uh, Ludovic Klein is worth consideration at big underdog money here. So top to bottom, gun to my head, who do I like? Uh, just money line, not necessarily what you'll see on the bet slip on Saturday. Dolby Silva, I'm on Dolby. Leonardo Bohm, I'm on whoever the underdog is. Um, Kyle Nelson, Ja Herbert. Ja Herbert. Um, <laughs> Muhammad, Makayev, and Charles Johnson. I'll take Muhammad. Uh, but man, that line. Makwan Amir, Connie, Jonathan Pierce, Pierce, Wood, Rosa, Wood, DeCasey, Hitsovic, DeCasey, Jones, Klein, and we're on Klein. Craig Uzdemir, I'm on Uzdemir. McCann, Goldie, I'm on Goldie. Gus and Krelov, I'm on Gus. Levitt and Pimblet, I'm on Pimblet. Curtis and Hermanson, I'm on Curtis. And then Blades versus Aspinall. As of right now, I'm leaning the wrestler and Curtis Blades, but most likely, I don't know, man. We'll have to see. I want to see face-offs. I want to see how big they are compared to each other, to be honest with you. Uh, and that pretty much does it. We're going to wrap it up. This is the first... Um, not the first ever solo episode of Punchlist, but it is the first solo episode. So next week I will be joined um, in part. Let me just hold on. Let me look bad radio here for one second. Let me just make sure. Next. Yes. So next week we will be joined by Drew Dober as he prepares to go to Dallas and fight Rafael Alves. We'll have Drew on the show next week. And let's see here. We will also have Eric from Eric Betts Fights on next week to help break down. So uh, that's what we got coming up. So we will have two on next week. Uh, we will have you know some actual dialogue instead of me talking to you guys in the void. I appreciate everybody that reached out this week. And uh, we will talk to you guys later on. If you don't already do so, feel free to follow us everywhere at Punchless MMA. Um, if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is by sh- supporting the show sp- or by visiting the show sponsors and letting them know that, you know, we're the reason why you came. So you can go to stay classy meets and use promo code fist. You can save 10% off site wide, or you can go to allegianceclothing.com and use promo code punch and save 15%. Um, appreciate everybody that continues to support the show, share, like, subscribe, save all that crap. You know what to do. Live your life, be good to each other, and we'll see everybody next week with Drew Dober and Eric from Eric Block from Eric Betts Fights. Appreciate you guys.